0: Are you ready to roll and talk about music and how? I am ready to roll. And all, we're going to talk about your shining moments. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I am your hoops host, Sammy. Give me the ball as the clock is winding down. You nan. There are three, three, utterly iconic basketball songs that discern the majestic poetry of this beautiful game I'm not going to sing any of them but the first one sometimes I dream that he is me you know how this goes you've got to see that's how I dream to be like Mike if I could be like Mike that surprisingly infectious Gatorade commercial produced a nostalgic anthem John Tesh's Roundball Ball Rock, which hyped and scored the NBA on NBC, which ran for 12 glorious seasons, 1990 to 2002. Shout out to Marv Albert. I think he had his original hair back then. And finally, The March Madness Closer, One Shining Moment, written by David Barrett, which has been used by the NCAA tournament since 1987 which was the same year they introduced a three-point shot. As the final game of March Madness 2021 draws near, Baylor Bears versus the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs, we have a rare moment of reflection before tip-off. It's been a strange tournament, though after canceling last year's games, I'm just grateful it's back in some form and really as close to normal. And normal includes tonight's steering one-shining-moment montage recap. In this conversation, David shares this fantastic observation. These kids are in the moment uniquely, and when they see themselves in the one shining moment vignette, they'll have a painting of themselves at age 19, 20, in the full flower of their talent and youth. This is their moment, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Here now is my conversation with Michigan songwriter and composer David Barrett, revealing the origins of that special basketball song Oh, but first, if you're not familiar with the song, oh yo, I'll give you a quick sample courtesy of Charles Barkley. May God have mercy on your soul.
1: The ball is tipped and there you are. You're running for your life. You are shooting star. One shining moment is all on the line. One shining moment. That's
0: good. So I I want to start in uh, 2002. You scored the life and faith. The life and faith of C.S. Lewis. The magic that never ends. Oh yeah. Right. And you won yeah, an yeah. Emmy for yeah. that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Correct.
0: I'm starting a little bit at the back before we get to One Shining Moment, but I want to talk about this project with the, the life and faith of C.S. Lewis. How did that project come to you? And were you like a C.S. Lewis fan going into this project?
1: Well, that's a great question. Well, it's funny because because of my song One Shining Moment, a gentleman, I used to live in northern Michigan, and his name's David Kraus, And David, after he heard One Shining Moment, said, look, I've just started this production house, and so we're doing all sorts of documentaries. And would you like to, uh, write for one? And I said, sure, did I'd love to. He used to come see me perform when I was a performer, mm-hmm. you know, years passed. And then he called me up and said, would you like to do one? So I did a score for him on, uh, she was, who was it? Uh, Oh, heaven. Norman Vincent. At any rate, I'll, I'll, Yes, yes, I'm in disappeal. appeal. Forgive me, yes, you you're smarter than well, you are smarter than I am. But uh, <laughs> yes, I, I did have that, moments. and it, it turned out re- it turned out very well and then when this show came up, uh he called me and we chatted about it and I had I i certainly was familiar with uh C. S. Lewis, um and admire him in every shape and form. And then so because it turned out, it was a perfect fit. Um, I do a number of, in fact, when you called me, I was working out a, a guitar piece um, that I've been working on for quite some while, and <clears throat> it's called Finger Style Guitar. It's somewhere between classical and uh, country blues, but hmm. um, it really lended itself to the show, and if you ever get a minute, check it out in the show, because... Uh, they had uh, oh, it was the gentleman who did Gandhi? He was the
0: oh uh, the Ben star Kingsley.
1: Actor. Ben Kingsley did the voiceover, and uh, it was an honor to be a part of the whole operation. So it was a perfect fit. Uh, I had a chance to read more of Lewis uh, C.S. Lewis, and not only that, learn about what a what an amazing life he lived and what a uh, legacy he left behind so it just it was a perfect
0: fit for me so you the, the reason i brought up c.s lewis and you just mentioned this now you're just working on a piece uh you were in the studio and you're working on a piece a guitar piece yep. like yep. c.s lewis was a man of faith that's one of the things he's primarily known for yep. it's mm-hmm. songwriting mirror of faith yep. so as you're composing these songs or themes Like, do you hope and have faith that the next note will be there, will magically be up here, or, like, that you'll have the right lyrics?
1: Like, that's Uh what I'm going to get at. That's a great question. It truly is a great question, because I've been doing this quite some while, and um, I would say you get in what I call the flow. And what does the flow mean? It means that, Sometimes you're driving the car and sometimes the car is driving you. <laughs> and so often you, I get working on a piece and it all makes sense except for one part. And I don't know what's wrong with the one part. So I, instead of just trying to fix it, I give it time and come back to it a little later, whether it be a day or two or a year or whatever and then it seems to have, it'll mend itself, (laughs) and then it will make sense. So, uh, that sounds a little bit esoteric, but it happens to be the way I work, at least. So, to answer your question, uh, there is a certain faith that you will strike the right notes, because there's an endless amount of combinations of these notes, and you try to find the ones that speak to you, like a someone who paints paintings, um, you're looking for the right tone of the color or the right brush stroke. Well, the same is true with music, and um, it's always in search of the right note, Um, and in fact, I'll probably use that for a lyric, so thanks, (laughs) (laughs) that's true, we're, we're always in search of the right note.
0: There you go. All right, we're making magic happen. Yeah. How did you know you yeah. had this musical talent? Like, how did you discover like you could write songs and compose music? Like, so when you're a little kid, how do you know uh, that you can start doing this?
1: Uh, well, I I would say that a lot of composers that affected me. I mean, you're, you're sort of drawn to people that write music that affect you. In other words turn on the radio. There's a million different styles of different voices, different uh, messages. And for me, I was originally introduced to music by my mom who uh, schooled me in um, Rogers and Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. So if if you're lucky enough to have a mom who does that, and if you're lucky enough to be affected by it, then the idea of writing melodies Always made sense to me, and I was always humming melodies to myself. so I would say that always seemed to be as natural as breathing um, i got I was an athlete as well, and so I divided my time between you know basketball and soccer and so forth, and sitting down at that time, I played the organ uh and got arguably reasonably good at it. And then it then it just started. you know, I picked up the guitar and somehow managed to find my way around it and and each instrument spoke differently to me and in fact, on one shining moment, uh, that's me and the piano. Uh, we had a really good piano player, but but he didn't quite play with uh, the sort of let's get after it." <laughs> so I ended up pounding it out like a piano, uh, with too, uh, like a chimpanzee who drank too much coffee. So <laughs> that's how I came across playing the piano on that. So I think it's been a mishmash, but I, I, I never knew enough to think I couldn't do it. I guess.
0: And is that partly where you kind of gravitate towards folk music? That seems to be some of your earlier stuff. I guess that type of genre, yeah, like folk music. Yeah,
1: no. It's- Oh yeah. I would say, uh, boy, you've been checking up on me. Yep. (laughs) I would say the, the folk music, the, the guitar music that I write particularly as I was starting, uh, it's a lot, particularly when you don't have a home or that time, I just had a little apartment and a guitar. I could always write songs on. So I did all the while I had a, a, I had a keyboard and and I played when I could. And so I would start noodling with compositions and um, on the keyboard. And then once one shiny moment hit, you know, a lot of those other pieces became, you know, I orchestrated them up. And so that part of what I do came to life, uh, but not at the expense of the folk stuff that I do. Uh, it was just another branch of the tree.
0: Yeah, and so you've already mentioned it a couple of times, One Shining Moment. And I know you've told this sto- story mm-hmm. repeatedly, so I'm sorry to make you hash it out oh, again. No, no, but no, uh, no. tell us no, how uh, Pretty Waitress and Larry Bird uh, led basically to One oh, Shining
1: Moment. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, speaking of folk guitars, uh, I was playing a club and playing the folk guitar. And, um, so that was an evening to remember. And, um, but there was a waitress who worked at this folk club who was, um, uh, beautiful, like, you know, Helen of Troy, <laughs> but so beautiful. I, I never even talked to her for the months that I played there. <laughs> um, so when I sat down, at the end of a night's uh, performance and we're just drinking a beer and watching ESPN Larry Bird in 86 in 1986 was in his full flower of talent. And so it was dark and everyone had left except for me and the bartender. And as it turns out, this waitress, uh, her name is Jan Shoemaker, as a matter of fact, and she sat down right next to me and I thought, Oh boy, now what do I say, and so I knew a fair amount about basketball. So I took the time to, well, I had nothing else to say. So I tried to explain to her the the poetry of basketball, particularly when you're playing like Larry Bird was at that time. Well, as it turns out, Sammy, she was uh, a poet herself and a fine poet, as it turns out. Nice. So she understood, I happened to, you know, just sort of, had nothing else to say, so I started talking about it, and it turns out she's a poet. So, uh, But it, I think it, it was a short conversation, to <laughs> say the least, because uh, I ran out of things to say. But uh, as, as she left, I jotted down on a napkin the title, One Shining Moment, as an indication of how time is uniquely slows down Uh, particularly when you're in your full flower of your talent, like Bird or Magic Johnson or or Michael Jordan or whatever, time moves slower. And I thought, boy, there's a song inside there. So I went home and uh, hit the hay and woke up in the morning. And a friend of mine was supposed to meet me for breakfast, but he showed up 20 minutes late. So on all the napkins around me, I wrote literally all the lyrics Hmm. and stuffed all those in my pocket. And uh, after breakfast, went home and sat down to piano and 20, 30 minutes, wrote the whole song.
0: Wow. It's interesting because... Yeah,
1: it's weird.
0: Your your song, One Shining Moment, has been used since 1987 uh, as part of March Madness Mm -hmm. and the tournament. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. especially by the 90s, NBA on NBC had Round Ball Rock. Mm -hmm. That was the John Tesh anthem. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how both of those two kind of like bookend that period of time where like, as you said, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of poetry to basketball and it was documenting all that Mm -hmm. stuff, like the end of Larry Bird and the end of uh, Max Johnson into Jordan. Um, Initially, it wasn't even supposed to be used for March Madness or to celebrate the poetry of basketball. It was going to be used for the Super Bowl. Is that right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, What happened was, I mean, it's hard to explain, Sammy, but I was... Living in a town Hazlitt and I can tell from the lack of excitement on your end, you've never been to Hazlitt. <laughs> no, but Hazlitt is a is a small farming community outside of East Lansing. <laughs> Yes. So you you have to understand that that uh, CBS wasn't knocking on my door at that moment. So when they did knock on my door, a friend of mine, Armand Katayan, took the song over to CBS without telling me. They called me up. I don't actually believe it's CBS at the time. I thought this is one of my prankster friends putting me on Mm -hmm. because I knew nothing that this was going to happen. So when he, this gentleman's name is Doug Toohey, and he, we became friends instantaneously and he said, You know, I know you wrote it for other reasons, but we have the Super Bowl. Uh, would you mind if we used your song for the Super Bowl? Uh, now, again, he's still having to convince me he's from CBS. So, <laughs> needless to say, if someone called you out of the blue, Sammy, and said, We want you to uh, narrate the next uh, uh, Lucas film on Star Wars, you'd think, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Why, You know, <laughs> you <laughs> you just mean? Hang it, up. it was, a, it was a, yeah, exactly. It was like a bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. And so I said, sure, love to. Um, as it turns out, they, it, it didn't work out for technical reasons. And they had some technical snafus and the commentator decided that uh, he was going to continue talking no matter what. And so I was, of course, re- really disappointed because again, this was a, sh- you know, a bolt of lightning for me and in Hazlitt, Michigan. Uh, but then Doug um, called me back a couple of weeks later and said, well, look, you wrote it for this reason. We think it would be a great fit for the final four or for the March Madness, and what do you think? And of course, I said, "Oh, you bet, yeah." <laughs> In short, <laughs> sure you can. Uh, so, and that's how it found its way. And this gets back to what you're saying before about composing the song. Almost sort of knew what it, where it was headed, and uh, it found the exact right place.
0: Faith. Right, like you've, yeah. They would have right. a, they would right. find its home and it find its place. You, its face, right? Because sometimes yep. you said, like, yeah, you, absolutely. You write a song and you don't know what to do with it, but you knew you had something special.
1: Yes, that's exactly it, Sammy. And and I always, t- you know, I write lots of songs, and um, when when you write them and you're done with them and you think, okay, we have to wait for the right moment for the right place. To put that song, uh, and you hope and pray mm-hmm. that uh, the the fates are with you, and and, um, and whether it be um, Okismet or Providence or however you frame up the world, in this case uh, with one shining moment, uh, it is exactly where it should be. In
0: your version of course, is special. Uh, Teddy Pendergrass did a great version. Lucifer Vandross is also really mm-hmm. well-known. Yep. <laughs> I want to know, yep. how did you find Charles Barkley's uh, rendition? That was a bit of a different take. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. In yeah. fact, uh, I I was not asked about that. And, uh, and in fact, Turner, who is now a partner with CBS, Uh, They just did it and then asked me what I thought. Now, I'm a big fan of Charles Barkley, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was a hoot and very funny. And I thought uh, uh, I couldn't have been more delighted uh, because um, the song has broadened of shoulders now where having that version uh, not only is a lot of fun, but it uh, shows that the song now has a life of its own, and and, uh, and and the song has a sense of humor as well.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating because in the last few years, say maybe three, five years, especially with social media,
1: mm-hmm.
0: One Shining Moment has become mm-hmm. like a shorthand. You'll see it throughout the whole tournament. Somebody does something dumb, yeah. <laughs> people laugh, they're like, that needs to be mm-hmm. a shining yeah. moment. You know what I mean? Like... Or something yeah, amazing that, happens, a big yeah. shot, or like, oh, that's so going to be One shiny Moment. Like, it's yeah. a shorthand now for fans, and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about.
1: I think uh, it has found its way into the water table of March. Uh, I, I always call it Christmas in March. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is shorthand. That's a good way of putting it, um, that um, it... it it Those, particularly who love basketball, but not a, not only that, I hear it in other uses. So it it's come to mean, well, exactly what Larry Bird was doing at that time, sort of the poetry of the moment. And um, there's another song title <laughs> I gotta remember, <laughs> but the poetry of the moment, yeah. uh, whether it be ill-fated or not, uh, is is important because you only get so many of them. So,
0: sticking with this theme of then the poetry of the moment, like, because you've also written sports mm-hmm. theme songs for the Olympics, which were on CBS, the U.S. Tennis Open theme, the PGA theme. So, is there a, a moment or a standard approach that you have when you look to do these kind of sports themes? Are you looking for like another Larry Bird type of inspiration? Are you looking for a mood? How do you approach writing these sports anthems?
1: Uh, you know, uh, the fact is. Uh, I have no, I have no formula. Um, someone asked me, and this get to your question, but someone asked me, well, you know, how can it be after 34 or five years, one shining moment still represents and is still alive and well, and, and it's because it was inspired, genuinely inspired, and uh, it wasn't just like throwing up a. Uh, a condominium. It, it, it was a real custom home. You know? mm-hmm. And for example, the, the, the mm-hmm. PGA theme. Well, the reality is I wrote that, um, or there actually I did the PGA championship theme and the PGA theme, but the PGA theme was, uh, a song called young Sarah that I, uh, I was on the road at the time and a friend of mine had his daughter, Jeff Henning's daughter, Sarah Henning. And um, she was just born, and I, I don't know where I was, but uh, I just went into a private space with my guitar and wrote it. Now, when CBS came calling, this is many years later, saying, you know, would wh- you have anything we could use for, for the PJ thing? Um, I said, well, here's a guitar instrumental. And, uh, and they loved it. Now I think they loved it because it um, it was you know inspired by my friend's phone call and so the song felt that way it felt inspired so and and the other ones the fact that uh, the it uh, was the U.S. Tennis Open theme was a piece that I had written when I was in college mm. and I stuck it in my, in a shoebox and it's called Devotion, and um, it just was lingering there for, you know, 10 years later, I thought, you know, this might really work, and then orchestrated it up, and it turns out it did, so um, I think the good fortune that way and is that if you, you, you know, in this case, I found pieces that were born for their own reasons, not necessarily because CBS called, and thank goodness they did, and so then, then it was a pretty good fit. And I will say that CBS really has done a wonderful job, at least particularly at that time, uh, of of really caring about the music they put on the air.
0: Yeah. And speaking of doing a good job, like we've seen how many March Madness superstars who have shining moments during the tournament, they go on to have a big career in the yeah. NBA. And mm-hmm. for you, looking mm-hmm. back was this the career that you envisioned? Like, you know, like you said, you're sitting in this bar, right? And you're trying to talk to this waitress. Uh, You're doing folk songs. Like, was this how you envisioned your career kind of going? Or was this just the way that it all worked out?
1: I would say the latter. Um, I never really thought about, how would I put this? Some people want a career. This turned out to be a career. Um, I wanted to write music and uh, create music that I'm that w- I'm really proud of, which I am. And so uh, I would say I was just busy writing music each and every day. Um, I I'd, I'd do these gigs or these concerts, and then go home and write very different music than I was doing in my evenings work or my back to my folk days. So um, I never thought I'm going to go to Hollywood and be a star. It never Mm -hmm. even occurred to me. And, you know, I don't know how many people listen to your podcast, but suffice to say, I, you know, I used to tour around doing uh, concerts for colleges for a while. And I just enjoyed, no matter where I played, I enjoyed whether it be 500 people or 200 people or 100 people or seven people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always enjoyed picking up my guitar and playing or sitting down on the piano and playing. Um, and then I got picked up and toured around with Art Garfunkel for a while. And that was a real confirmation of what I had learned in all those other less, uh, oh, I won't say attractive, but less famous places. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a confirmation of all the things I would learned. So, uh, And also, if I would add, that uh, good things happened uh when I quit trying to please everyone. Um I I I got to a point in my life where when you're particularly when you're a songwriter you try to ape what's on the radio or whatever. You're just trying to to, to get someone to notice you. And it was almost uh Sammy, when I quit worrying about who was noticing me and just worried about doing the work and doing the doing the writing the good things started to happen and many of these pieces that you're talking about uh were songs i wrote after my my work day was done i did it for my own reasons but i lacked the confidence in trusting them and and then i had to decide no i'm going to do what i do and see what happens and then this all happened
0: Faith again that it would and work out. And I guess you call it a career now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And we got to wrap up, obviously, talking about the current tournament. Uh, unfortunately, I'm talking to you just after Michigan uh, was just eliminated. I was surprised they actually yep. lost to UCLA. I thought they could have rumbled a little bit more. Uh, but I guess that's yep, it. Fine. So, how are you enjoying? The, how are yeah. you enjoying this year's tournament?
1: Well, I, I think it's. Um... I happen to know the, the woman who runs it for the NCAA, and she's lovely. And, and she said it's a little surreal down there in Indianapolis because there's not all the festivities that generally go along with it. But in this COVID world we live in, uh, I'm just really uh, uh, proud of the NCAA, of making it work, mm-hmm. having all these athletes join together. Uh, in a way that could have come off the rails in a heartbeat. Uh, and the quality, uh, you know, look, there's some really great teams and some great players. And while it's not the usual, I think we all learned that we're not going to get the usual for a little while. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it still remains a celebration of the moment. It still remains 19, 20-year-old young men playing their hearts out uh, the game is exciting as ever. I broke my heart for you then, but I used to play a little bit. Sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hole, and, <laughs> and that boils down to that. So, you know, that's the that's the rough justice of it. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Coach Howard, so he he brought those kids. They picked Michigan to end up sixth in the Big Ten. So they they really uh, uh, made themselves proud, and and again, just some days, you're, they seem a little jet-lagged to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, just sometimes that happens. So back to your question, uh, I think I remember the UNLV days uh, in the 90s, and I think uh, Gonzaga is about as good as you're going to see. So uh, we'll see how the rest of the tournament plays out, but I sure would hate to play them because <laughs> yeah. they're really
0: good. I know. I thought uh, the last round, uh, the last game they had, I thought that was going to do them in and uh, I was wrong again. So uh, I think uh, I think yeah. they've proven a lot of people like myself wrong <laughs> consistently, but it seems to fuel them, much like Larry Bird, right? The doubters and the haters are fuel. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. And, and as I say to my wife, you have 19, 20-year-old young men and any given day, you don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the excitement of the thing because look, great teams get beaten. And and for reasons that, you know, defy logic, but that's the beauty of it. It ain't logic. It's the moment. And, and these kids are in the moment uniquely. And when they see themselves in the, the vignette, the one shining moment vignette, they'll have a, a painting of themselves at age 19, 20, in the Mm. full flower of their talent and youth. And most of these kids won't play in the pros, that's a fact. So, you know, this is their moment, and I'm glad to be part of it.
0: That's a great way to end it there. I mean, we started talking about C.S. Lewis and Faith at the top of this conversation, Mm -hmm. and now we're kind of going full circle and talking about Hope, right? Which is what uh, the whole tournament represents and what your song represents, right? Yep. You can have this one shiny moment, this one big shot, this one moment where then your team goes on to the next round, and it's super exciting. And we've seen Cinderella teams do that. So we started with faith, and we'll end on hope, which I think is a good way to end it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's perfect, Sammy. Hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And don't be a stranger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd be more than glad to talk to you any old time. Perfect. um, Thank you so much. About the scores. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yo, that was songwriter and composer David Barrett, the writer of One Shining Moment. Shout out to Larry Bird for that inspiration. That dude was amazing. I am Sammy Yunan, and this is my summer lair. Now, because One Shining Moment likes to look back, this episode's social media question is simple. What is your favorite March Madness moment? Was there a special shot? Or you have a specific team or even a player you absolutely adore. Perhaps Young Grand Hill? Or what about the Fab Five? There's so many moments and players and shots and teams to choose. Reach out to me via social media. I have many shining and sarcastic moments at my pal Sammy. That's my pal Sammy for IG, Facebook, and Twitter. But you could also follow me at my summer lair for extra pop culture goodness. Please, I am asking you, follow me now rather than join the bandwagon later on when I'm all popular. You can say you were a day one fan, you were there at the beginning. Thank you so much for listening to me in the Netflix world. March Madness, yo.